All right. So have you ever taken a risk to try to do something that you didn't think you could do that was hard or scary, but then you did it and it actually went pretty well? How about accomplishing a goal like losing weight or running a marathon at record time uh, or paying off debt? Or how about moving far from family or where you've been for a long time for maybe your job or your husband's job or just getting married and having kids and buying a house? Or how about jumping off a mountain to parasail, parachute thing? Yes, I did that three years ago. Crazy. Um, What made you take that leap of faith? Was it some advice from someone you trusted? Maybe a parent or a coach or your husband? Maybe it was YouTube? Um, How about was it a dare or peer pressure maybe? Or just you have a risk-taking personality? Okay, I don't, but I got the peer pressure from my kids to jump off that mountain. So they all did it before me. Um, How about doing something hard that God has asked you to do? Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken a step of faith? And how did it go? Were you blessed by that? Did you grow spiritually? Because usually that's what happens, right? What if everybody in the culture was telling you that something wasn't right, that it was wrong to do, but God told you to do it in his word, what would you do? Discipline can be hard and scary. We need a lot of wisdom, right? We need, fortunately, we've, we've already established that God's word is our source of wisdom. And we know that God wants us to raise kids that love and obey God. We've talked a lot about this, sem- that's this semester. So then it would stand to reason that we're going to follow God's word in how we discipline our kids. Our first message on this topic two weeks ago, I laid out how God models discipline for us and in, in, in the relationship with us and how he is our Abba Father, the daddy that we can crawl up in his lap and sh- cry our eyes out and he will hug us and accept us and listen and meet our needs and then he's also the disciplinarian in our life that when we wander, wander or go astray, he brings us back. Or when we just need that pruning to improve and become closer to him, he allows those circumstances that draw us in. And or that's really our choice, right? He allows those circumstances in our life to grab our hearts and our attention. And we can either lean in and learn from them, or we can turn away and reject it. When we lean in, we get the blessing. When we turn away, not so much. So today, I wanna, first of all, I wanna start by reviewing why disciplining our kids is so necessary. First, it drives out foolishness. So the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of discipline will drive it away. So we know, we've talked about a few weeks ago, I did a message on the heart, and we talked about how our hearts, how we're all born with that foolishness, that rebellion that we inherited from Adam and Eve, and how we need a heart change, okay? And that's what discipline does. It's what it does for our kids. It's what it does for us. Also, Proverbs 29, 15, a rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother, specifically addresses disgracing its mother. So we see that God in his word talks about discipline over and over again. Matter of fact, I decided to go on Bible Gateway and search up the word discipline, and it returned 49 verses. Just with the word discipline in there, 49 verses. God takes it seriously, right? And so should we. So, drives out foolishness. It also teaches submission to authority. 
very unpopular in our world today, but it is that understanding that they need to come up under our authority that, can, that shows them that they also come up under God's authority. And really, that's what we are. We are God's representatives. Remember how we started the semester talking about ambassador parenting and how we are God's representatives in, the ch- in our children's lives. So that's what we are doing in, in when we're disciplining them is we are being his representatives so that they understand his authority and also his love. It's a part of being a loving parent. We want to be proactive in our discipline. And then it drives them to the cross. And this is so key. This is what we've talked about as well, that when, they, when we help them through proper discipline, see their need, see their sin behind their misbehavior, that they realize they can't behave on their own. They can't do it themselves. They need help. They need God. They need a heart change. And this is the essence of shepherding their hearts. So the culture gives us many methods for discipline. Let's take a look at some of them. I love that picture. Any way you look at it, it's pretty pretty descriptive. Bribery and contracts, okay? These are big. Uh, a lot of, I've actually heard a podcast of a, a parenting expert recommending to bribe your kids. Um, and, and you know what? I tried it. I'm going to be real with y'all because before I got this down, that seemed like a good thing for me too. Uh, bribery, if you clean your room for a week, then I'll give you $5 on Sunday. If you do your homework for a week, I'll take you to the ball game. Something like that. Uh, or contracts. Sign this contract that you're going to do such and such. What does this do? Does it result in obedience? Maybe. But does it shepherd their heart? It actually teaches them to make deals. That they're going to behave so that they can get what they want. No heart change. Behavior modification. Really big. Okay. This is the, an example, uh, well, we reward good behavior and we ignore bad behavior. Okay. That's what behavior mod is. So you do things like a family uh, that wants to encourage obedience and the children has uh, a jar. And every time the child obeys or does something well, then they get their name on a slip of paper and the papers go in the jar. And then at the end of the week, a name is drawn, rewards are given. So it's kind of a combination. It's behavior mod and um, maybe a little bit of bribery. But what's the result of that, if you think about it? The child is learning to get their name in that jar as many times as possible, right? Does that affect heart change? No. It teaches them selfishness. I want to get my name in there as many times as possible so I can you act that way. I'm exhausted all the time because you don't listen to me. Your bad behavior is going to ruin your dad's reputation. I heard that one big time. Actually, these are kind of cruel and create lifelong problems for the child. Punitive correction. What do I mean by this? Well, biblical correction is, in its essence, corrective, not punitive. So when I'm talking about punitive correction, okay, I'm going to use an example that Ted Tripp uses in Shepherding a Child's Heart. He says grounding is not biblical. I use grounding some, especially when they were teens, but you have to... There's a, there's a way to do it, okay? The problem with grounding, and think about this, you send them to their room, and then we leave them there. And then what does the child learn? Well, they learn they can endure staying in their room for a few hours. They learn that they can go in there and play their video games, or if they have them in there, watch TV, play with their toys, whatever it is, and endure it. And then you know what happens? And this is what I found. you got to up the ante you got to keep up in the ante because they figure out what they can endure, and then it doesn't work. 
And so, I don't know, how many of y'all made a decision when you were teens and went, hmm, can I handle the week of grounding if I do this? Sure, I can. Let me do it, right? So that's the kind of, that's what I'm talking about. It's not corrective. Not to say you can't send them to their room sometimes if they need to cool off, but we can't leave it there. And then I call it soup du jour, okay? The, this is the erratic eclecticism of a little bit of everything. Maybe we'll mix it all in a pot and it'll taste good. I'll use some of this and some of that. So-and-so told me this works. So-and-so told me that works. But guess what? The child is so confused. They don't know what to expect. It's not consistent. Doesn't work. And then there's the I didn't turn out so bad. Maybe you feel like I didn't rebel and I'm okay. So I'm just going to do what my parents did with me. But if it wasn't biblical parenting, let me ask you, or do you know someone that struggles with self-doubt, craves approval, has trust issues, lacks joy? These are the result from unbiblical parenting. All of them ignore what? The heart, character development. Kids might learn to obey or behave, but remember what is our goal? To raise kids who love and obey God. So that's what we want to remember always. What is our goal? So if, we're look, if we've looked at the unbiblical methods of parenting, what are the biblical methods? First of all, rich communication. We talked about this two weeks ago. That was the focus of the whole message was how to build that relationship with your child. We talked about how we need to draw them out by asking questions, right? And getting them to express themselves in the the misbehavior. Why did they do this? Helping them see, need to ask age-appropriate questions and get them talking. And that takes a lot of time. And I know some of y'all were slightly overwhelmed by all of that. And I just encourage you, I had a handout from that week, and um, if you need another copy of it, I can uh, absolutely get it to you. Have a game plan. Have those questions, or the objectives at least, sitting somewhere so that you can go back to them and until it gets comfortable, okay? Because to get started in these questions and these conversations, it is uncomfortable. It is. But you can do it. With God's help. We just need to have a game plan. So I encourage you with communication to have a game plan. Have those objectives that I gave out a few weeks ago. We want to get behind what was the temptation, what made them react and respond the way they did, how could they respond better. Those are the things that we want to get to. And then we also talked about how there's different types of communication for different situations. And every child is different. And then we talked about the importance of uh, them understanding wisdom and how God guides them in that wisdom and how it's found in submission to God and his word. So the communication side is absolutely imperative. You have to build the relationship for the correction to work. Okay? You have to build the relationship for the correction to work. And that relationship comes from communication, conversations, from them knowing that you are on their side and that you have their best interests at heart. And then we have firm correction, okay? Combined with communication, firm correction, those two woven together are biblical discipline. Kids need strong boundaries. I cannot stress that enough. That's how they feel safe and secure. But the key is they need to know what those boundaries are ahead of time. They need to know what the consequences will be ahead of time if they cross and, 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 um, and disobey. What are the boundaries? What are the consequences? And then we have to enforce those consequences. It's so common to threaten and threaten and threaten and never follow 
with the communication that is key to making it work. Okay? So we want to have rich communication. We want to have firm correction. Because if we waver, our kids are going to sense that. You give them this much, they're going to take it. Okay? I had two strong-willed kids. I, used, I read a book called Boundaries at some point by uh, Townsend. I can't think of his first name. Um, the, the one line I took out of that was, I am the oak tree. I do not move. I am the oak tree. <laughs> do not move. <laughs> because they were constantly pushing me. And it was so hard. And, the more, and so when I stuck by that, they stopped. Just saying. If we allow them to have an inch, they'll take a mile. And then guess what happens? We're exhausted all the time. And then we keep the cycle going of yelling and not following through and all the things, right? It's so hard. Correction teaches our children to come up under our authority and God's authority. And so, let's talk about Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. What does it mean to obey? Obedience is defined in the Bible. We are not to argue. We are not to complain. We don't delay. And with a good attitude. Okay, this is called first-time obedience. I used to tell my kids right away, all the way, and with a happy attitude. Okay, that is not going to happen overnight. Okay, but you can get there. Because here's the thing. God sets the standard. We don't. God tells us that this is the way our kids need to understand obedience. Now, once they've learned first-time obedience, okay, down the road, once they've learned that first-time obedience, there is something called the process of appeal. And again, it's mentioned in Shepherding a Child's Heart. Okay? The process of appeal is really powerful for those kids who get first-time obedience but have maybe something that they're not comfortable with in your directive. Or maybe that's just something you've done, you don't understand where they're coming from. So that process of appeal is really, really good. I have actually excerpted it and put it on your tables. Not, um, I didn't, there's not one for everyone, but if you're at that stage where your kids have first-time obedience down and you want to understand the process of appeal, I went through and excerpted it from his book. Um, but I do recommend that you guys really all should, should get this book. And, you know, and here, let me just give an aside for a second. I've referenced this book now pretty in-depth for two messages. If you go online, you're going to see a lot of dirt thrown at this book. And you're going to see a lot of dirt thrown at this man, Ted Tripp. Most likely, and I've read a lot of the reviews, there's no way they read the book. There's no way. Because if you read this book thoroughly, the heart of God shines through. And it's amazing. It works. So what does it mean to honor your parents? Give them proper respect because God has placed them in your life. And your, your, your children gives you proper respect because he has placed, God has placed you in their lives. That's honoring. And the promises for this are better life. It goes well with you. Natural blessing. You're right with your parents. Spiritual blessing. You're right with God. And lastly, a longer life. These are promises. God keeps his promises. When we walk in obedience and we teach our children to walk in obedience, then they get promises from God. I want to show you something also from Shepherding the Child's Heart. This is a very, very good graphic to me. He calls it the circle of blessing. When we are walking in honor, when our children are honoring us and obeying us, okay, they get the blessings of it goes well with them, long life. So they're in the circle, okay? So this is what the boundaries that we give them do for them. It keeps them within the circle, right? And they're in, they're in safe, they're safe inside the circle. It's the circle of blessing. When our children get outside the circle of blessing and disobey, then we correct them 
and love with loving discipline. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but lovingly bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. We do it in love. We correct them in love. And we've already established that our discipline needs to be proactive, not reactive, that God is our model. Okay? So I'm going to bring back up a verse that I talked about a bunch of messages ago. Um, Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. I, went th- I said there were three words in this verse. I don't know if you guys were here or remember, but there are three words in this verse that we need to unpack in order to understand what Solomon meant in this verse. The first one is, dil- is well, rod, diligent, and discipline. I unpacked discipline. I said that the Hebrew word for discipline is training and instruction can be chastisement if needed. Okay, that's the biblical, that's the Hebrew word used for discipline, training and instruction. Diligent, the Hebrew word is to seek after. Okay, and so that's where we get our proactive discipline. That we're not reactive, that we have a plan in place because we're diligently seeking after discipline to train and instruct our kids. The third word is rod. I briefly talked about it and then said we were going to talk about it more another day. Well, guess what? Today is the day. Okay? So, if you are new to MomQ, you, you, or you weren't here last week, you know, you may not know, that we don't shy away from tough topics here. We discussed marriage last week in a really honest, authentic way, right? How many of you went home last week and took something from it and did something in your marriage? I did. Okay? We're not shying away from the tough topics. This is highly controversial, what I'm going to talk about today, and I realize that. Okay? But I couldn't do a talk about biblical discipline if I didn't bring it up. So I pray that you won't shoot the messenger. Um, Let's talk about Solomon's meaning for the word rod. First of all, we need to remember that the biblical authors often use the analogy of sheep and shepherd because their agrarian society understood it so well. Jesus even called himself the good shepherd. He protects us. He takes care of us. He has authority over his flock. The shepherd used certain tools to implement his authority. Let's examine those. The rod and the staff. Okay? There are two different instruments. Each had a specific purpose. The staff was used to gently bring the sheep back into the fold. If they wandered from harm, the shepherd could use the crook to grab their neck and bring them back in, keep them safe from harm, moving them in the right direction. The rod, on the other hand, is you was used to prod the sheep out of the sheep out of the fold in the morning, out into the fields, and then back into the fold at night. It was also used for what's called smiting and chastisement, because sometimes there were sheep that needed it. The willing sheep would, no problem, be prodded. Strong-willed sheep, not so much. So. When I looked at the word rod in the Bible, it's used 81 times by 16 different authors, okay? So every time it's used, it's used in reference to exactly the meaning of this rod, what the shepherds used with the sheep. I believe the Holy Spirit guided the biblical authors to choose this word for teaching us on how we're to discipline our kids. Now stick with me, okay? Don't leave me. I want to tell y'all, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I was physically abused. My father was very, very strict to the point where he would take us 
and turn us over his knee when we misbehaved. And most of the time, we weren't even quite sure what we did. And he would hit us with his hand over and over and over. Sometimes he would shake us. And it was, it was very physical. It was very abusive. It was very demeaning. Uh, it was what was done to him. He actually did better than he was done to. Um, it was a cycle. So I swore I would never, ever treat my kids that way. I didn't have the relationship with my dad. He was abusive. It was, it was not good. I rebelled. So let me just tell you a quick story. When Alex my oldest, who's super strong-willed, was two. I was trying to discipline her, and it was not working. She, I would put her in time out, like the pediatricians told me to do, and she would laugh at me and run out. I couldn't keep the child in time out. I couldn't get her to do anything. She was running the house, and it was awful. I was exhausted. So... At the time, I was in a Bible study. This is where I became a Christian under these women. And they had these amazing, obedient teenage children that I was like, they were kind, respectful. I said, what are you doing? Please give me the secret. And y'all, they took me to verses in the Bible, just like I shared with you. Proverbs 13, 24, and also 23, 13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. And they told me that they used a spanking tool, which, and that I should pray about using it. And I was like, um, in shock. That was really, really foreign to me. But I studied the scriptures, and I prayed And I kept getting laughed at by my daughter. And I finally decided, all right, Lord, I'm going to try it. And so I did. And what they explained to me, and what I'm going to go over with with y'all, is how to do it. Because that's, that's a key, okay? It has to be done a certain way. If you're squirming in your seat right now and you want to get up and leave, I, I get it. I was there. Just stick with me a little bit longer. Because, again, this is hard to hear, but if I didn't share it with you, I wouldn't be being authentic. It's out there. We know. So let's unpack it for just a few minutes. What is the rod? It's an act of faith. It's that leap of faith that I was talking about at the beginning of this message. That if it's done correctly, it works. If it's done incorrectly, yeah. It's abuse, okay? Satan, our enemy, has distorted the meaning of this so much. No one, very, I mean, if you, we can't even talk about it in public. Countries are outlawing it, okay? But we know that the culture comes up with things all the time Fueled by Satan that we're told will not work when the Bible says yes. Who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to listen to? It's also physical, but hear, hear me out. It's very careful, very timely, very measured and controlled. The child knows how many swats they're going to receive. I recommend it. I recommend doing it on their bum. Um, sometimes people use the back leg. It needs to be a little. It needs to. It needs to hurt a little bit, or else they're not going to get it. Think about. Let me ask you this. Think about when God gets your attention. When do we grow the most? From pain. It's just the way it is. God knows this. We need to trust Him. Okay. Um, It doesn't need to be your hand. Matter of fact, most people recommend that it's not your hand because the hand is a loving instrument. And then, let me say this again and again. It has to be balanced with what? The relationship. Okay? It's not going to work if the relationship isn't there. Because then, the the child's not going to understand it. Again, we have 
questions. We help them see. We lay it out in advance. They know that it's not that it's um, not going to work. If I mean, they know what to expect. And it's all about bringing them back into the circle of safety. It's a rescue mission. We know that when they stray from the circle of safety, that we want to restore the relationship that has been broken by sin. That's the point. Again, the circle of safety, when they step out of it with disobedience and dishonor, they're in the danger zone. Our job is to bring them back. And when it's over, we take them in our lap and we hug them and they learn to ask for forgiveness and it's over. And if it doesn't work, check your spirit, check their spirit. Maybe there's something that needs to be done. Maybe they need some more time to think. We don't carry it forward. Okay, so there it is. I'm just going to give you a little bit of fine print. Okay, first thing is when do we start? It's recommended for zero to five when we're establishing authority, as soon as they can resist you. High chair, car seat, getting their diaper changed, whatever it is, that's rebellion. Um, how, when, and uh, how, why, and where, I'm not going to get into those details, uh, but it is for defiance, direct defiance. Okay? Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the interview. When do we stop? We stop when the child, when it no longer has its result. There is this point in time when it's not, it's not going to work anymore. And only you can know that. Um, at this point, you should be doing more character development and occasional uh, loss of privileges, that sort of thing. Now, the last thing is, what if my child is over, older than five and I haven't been doing this? Guys, it's never too late. Okay, it's never too late to start. Explain to them what you learned in MomQ and how God has prescribed discipline and how, it need, how we need to come up under their authority, uh, how they need to come up under our authority and how we also have, um, that teaches them to come under God's authority. Why? Share the scriptures with them. Pray with them. Take them on the journey. Help them see. It's never too late. We can always start. There's always room to begin with God. And let me also say, if you've adopted a child and they've been a, a victim of trauma, then no, this would not work. And I would not recommend it. Okay? So, um, at some point, as your children are too old for spanking and they age out, uh, here are some things that I think... I personally feel like are biblical, natural consequences, huge, they don't do their homework, they get the bad grade. That's a hard one in our society. We want to rescue our kids at all times from the harmful choices they make, but nothing better than natural consequences. Logical consequences, you don't put down the phone, you lose the phone. It's, it takes a lot of, it takes follow through and consistency as well as taking away privileges. So there's, there's kind of some overlap really in logical consequences and taking away privileges. But if it's got to be something that's highly valued or it's not going to work. So every child's going to be different. Some kids you can send to their room and they're fine. Some kids, that's torture, right? So it depends. And let me just say, if you and your husband are not on the same page with this, then have that conversation first and do a lot of praying. And if you can't come to an agreement, then in your, you, you need, if you can't come to an agreement, your kids are going to know it and it's not going to work. But whatever you choose, okay, and you have to be behind it, okay, I've laid out what I, what I believe the Bible is saying um, is, is the approach for discipline, but if you can't get behind it and you've prayed about it and you can't get behind it, I'm not going to tell you that you can't raise godly kids, okay? I think that's a legalistic approach, and I don't believe in legalism. So I'm telling you that's what I recommend. I believe the Bible recommends it, and a lot of Christian authors recommend it, but we know it's controversial. So if timeouts 
is what works and you can get behind it and be consistent and firm, then by all means, okay? So um, consistent and firm correction is the key. All right. So last is Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God knows that it's hard to discipline our kids. We don't, I didn't want to spank my daughter. It broke my heart. She made the choice. I didn't make the choice. She did. So, and by the way, I think I spanked Luke twice in his life. Sam and Alex were, were very different. If you're, uh, so the fruit, the fruit that comes from biblical discipline is they learn to reap what they sow. They learn God has authority over mom and dad. They learn to obey all authority, which God tells us to do. And they better understand the gospel. So one more time, all I ask is that you pray about this. And that you really consider what I've said, what I've laid out today. And I really appreciate you listening. I know how hard it is to hear. Um, once again, you got to be you got to be convicted. You got to be consistent. So there it is. Um, let's hear from some of our leaders who are going to share a little bit about how they work this into their their discipline. Um, and it, 
I mean, my kids, I just, they have respect for authority, for all authority. They just do today. Um, also, in that in that bucket of, de of just defiant disobedience is also lying. Lying, that is not negotiable. That's an automatic spanking. I mean, not now because they're teenagers. That's a that's a character. That's a that's a thirty minute character conversation now. But you know, until they were you know two to eight or nine, those were the situations that we would spank in. It wasn't anyway, it's, it wasn't as often as you think it might be, but it was it was very effective in our family. So those were our decisions. Perfect. Thank you. Yes, I have some similar things. Um, my kids are seven, nine, and eleven, so we're kind of coming out of spanking phase. But my husband and I did think that that was something we could use as a last resort. It was never, you know, the first thing we go to. Again, with many warnings, I probably did it ten times total with all three kids together. And again, it was um, definitely not the first go-to that we had. Um, but we talked about early on to to separate the emotion from spanking and to never do it with like a yelling and anger and you know really forceful, but to make sure we were calm and put together before it happened. Um, he appreciated his dad was like that with him, and I'm sure my husband got a lot of So um, <laughs> so he was I never got spanked on my parents, so he had to tell me how to kind of do it the proper way. But um, again, I was the one who if you looked at me and you started counting. One, two, my mom would count and I would just stop whatever the behavior was because I was just, you know, that worked for me. But um, we knew that it may be something we needed for our kids. Um, again, like she said, we um, didn't want to use our hand. We didn't want that to be associated with harm for our kids. So I had a wooden spatula that I had found along the way to use. Um, and then somewhere along the way, too, I found, I have it here today with me, a wooden spatula. If you want to take it, yeah. it has a... Um, smiling snowman face on it if you can see close close enough but this was actually a um it kind of put some humor into the spanking because it was like do you want mr smiley snowman to come spank you like if you don't stop the, the behavior but it kind of diverted their attention sometimes and it was like oh wow you know um you know mom's serious but you know i was still trying to do it with some kind of like you know i'm not doing it to to hurt or harm you but you know this is something that could happen um, and just one of the, the final things to, as we've been getting older, maybe the last time or two where I've had to get to the point where like, close the door, pull down your pants, you're gonna get a spanking. For some reason, um, instead of giving them a hard pop, I gave them just a light tap and they look at me like, what's going on? But that gave me a, 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 a chance to really talk about mercy in that moment and the fact that you deserve a spanking. Like, we've gotten to this point, but I'm going to be merciful. God's merciful with me. Um, you know, there's times where I have not gotten what I deserved, but, you know, so it just kind of did open up as they were older to the point where it's like, um, you know, maybe this is just a chance to do that. So, that was very nice experience. Thank you. Okay, so I echo what Kendra and Holly um, both said, Heidi both said. We did we spanked very rarely, but we did absolutely it was always for very important things, like the swimming pool, like climbing on the shelves in the pantry if you might get hurt, or if um, you were just absolutely defiant and not willing to listen to us. And it was always about us being their authority figure because we're their loving parent. So we never ever spanked out of anger. Sometimes you have to go cool down before you use this. We never spank with our hand. We always have a little implement. And we always spank with the understanding of why they were getting spanked. So they never were unclear about it. It was like, you were going to fall into that swimming pool. I was so scared. And I've told you many, many times, you can't do that. So we're going to have to have a spank. And then after we did it, it was always just a little pop so that it was just enough to get their attention. And we always prayed afterwards. And we always said, you're forgiven. And we're not going to do that. We're never going to go to the swimming pool, right? Because we get a sink when we go to the swimming pool. But now you're forgiven. So it was always just that kind of a thing that we did. And the other thing was, we had a kid that loved sinks. And I know that's completely crazy. She would not stay in her bed when she was two years old, no matter what. And she'd come running out with a smile on her face. And she'd lay on the ground and pull her pants down and lift her feet up and be ready for us to sink. 
five times, and then we said, this isn't working. And that's the whole point. The whole point is for it to be effective. If it's not effective, you move on and try something else. And for her, we had to take her away her favorite little stuffed animal, and then she's feeding her in. So, I mean, that's the goal, is you're not doing it out of anger. You're doing it because you want to keep them safe. And this is a behavior that's a bad behavior that's going to cause them problems in their life, never out of anger, always with understanding, and always forgiveness, and you move on, and it's over. A lot of really amazing uh, words of wisdom here. Um, I would just like to um, stress that it is a balance. Um, I uh, was spanked. I was actually dealt it as a, as a child. Um, and it wasn't a lot of the time. It was out of anger. And it just um, made me fear my mother. Um, and so uh, when I had my kids, you know, I thought, we'll do it differently. Um, but I fell into the same patterns. And, and it became ineffective because I wasn't balancing the relationship with the spanking. Um, thankfully, I started coming to um, mom to mom, which is something like this, and um, and I got these same words of wisdom from, from um, the leaders. And so I decided that we needed to start from scratch, right? And I started building that relationship. And at that point is when my husband stepped in. Uh, he had nothing to do with this beforehand. And, um, and so, you know, we would um, have all the dialogue, um, set the expectations, and also communicate the consequences. So very much has to do with dialoguing with your children, right? It's not about the spanking, right? You have to explain why you're doing it, right? And, and we come under God's authority, and this is what he's telling us, um, and you know, how to get to that obedience. Um, and so uh, once we did that, I, I think he spanked my daughter maybe twice. I stopped doing it because obviously it was ineffective, right? He just, I mean, and she would come up to me and she'd do like this, you know? It was not pretty. Um, and, um, but once we reset and were able to incorporate the relationship part of it, um, it, it, it went so much better. And it's never too late to reset, right? You can always turn around and, and start following biblical ways. Um, for us, I mean, it was, it was, she was already like five years old. And so she understood a lot better. And so when we started um, explaining, you know, and, and really involving her in, in, um, in her discipline, um, it, it, it didn't take very long. And then after that, all I had to do, you know, was count from five, five, four, and right away, right, the first time, because um, she knew what was becoming. Um, but I will say that that moment between you have done an infraction, and so the consequences are coming, right, and you just let them sit with that for a little bit, right, and then you come and you have the conversation. This is why we're doing it. And this is what's going to happen. So expect, you know, two seconds or whatever it is. Um, and it is coming. And we're not doing it out of anger. It is because of what you did, right? Um, and just let them think about it. So don't go straight from like, this is what happened, this, you know, not going to spank you now. Do let them think about it and, and kind of process it. Um, and then it's, it's so important that after you're done, to hug them and say, you are forgiven, right? Mm -hmm. Pray about it. Mm -hmm. um, and, but doing the whole process is very important, not skipping steps um, and being diligent about it. Um, but yeah, and with my son, I can't remember really spanking him more than two or three times, right? Because he saw, you know, what his sister was doing and um, and I knew what to do at that point, and so I knew that the relationship was more important. Um, and it's, it's really about mutual respect, right? You're respecting them enough to tell them what is expect, expected of them and what the consequences will be, and then they will return the respect to you. Mm -hmm. 
gives us in his word. Um, so my question is, would you pray about it? Will you step out in faith and follow God's call on how to discipline your kids? Be consistent. Will you follow his word and not what the culture says? Let's pray. God, so thankful that you give us everything we need from your word. Every, all the ways and things that we need to know with our lives and our kids and our husbands, uh, we see it. You give it to us and you talk to us and we thank you. And Lord, this is really hard stuff and you know that. You know where we are in our culture today. Um, we just want to obey. And so I just pray that you would help these moms as they leave here today, even in their small group time, that they would talk about their concerns and their fears about what we've said, and that, um, but that we would all just be open-minded and, and look to you for guidance, and that you would just make it clear how and what we're supposed to do um, when we discipline our kids and correct them. Thank you for each woman here, for their heart to hear from you. And we just ask that you bless this time in their groups. In Jesus' name.